Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up Tooth Law on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, and we are not joined by John Gambadoro today, the one, the only John Gambadoro. He's got the day off, and we'll explain why here in a moment. And uh, much like a, a band that is missing their lead singer but still has the gig to play anyway, right? The, the the show must go on. The band must play on. And even though we're missing our lead singer, the band here on the Burns and Gambo show, our producer Mitch Vareldis, our afternoon update guy and contributor Eric Ruby, the three of us are going to gonna muddle our way through the songs without our lead singer. Anybody here can sing? Eric, can you carry a tune? Um, no, I also can't play the drum like Gambo either, so we're, we're really out of luck. <laughs> Mitch? I, I was going to say, on the bright side, at least there's plenty of familiarity today as opposed to just throwing somebody else into the fire it's it's the three of us and we're just gonna we're gonna play the gig today until until six o'clock until someone tells us to stop playing until someone pulls the the cord out of the amp and and shuts us down we're gonna we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna do the gig without gambo today and uh, of course uh, our thoughts are with him today uh deeply deeply with him uh he really struggled through yesterday's show uh last night they laid their family dog to rest after 16, 16 and a half years. And as anybody who can attest who's been through that, it can be a very emotionally trying time. And Gambo was being, frankly, emotionally tried yesterday. And uh, we all thought it best. He thought it best just to take a day to kind of hit the reset button a little bit and, and kind of ground himself because it's, it's been tough. And so we, of course, are thinking about him and, and and we're trying this brand new experiment today. Rather than bring somebody in to fill in for Gambo, we're just Mitch and Eric. You guys get to be Gambo today. No. Woo! Who's who's yelling? Who's screaming? Eric, you're gonna you're gonna be the one we got to be careful with the dump button back there. Uh, not the dump button, but I think if anybody were to be loud here, it, it would probably be me. Probably. Oh, I'll try hard on the New York accent then, and then no, we can no, just no, merge no, the two no, things no, together. No, no, please don't. Please don't do that. I so, can do Brooklyn, whatever you want me to do. Uh, again, our, our thoughts are with uh, Gambo and with Chelsea because, uh, like I say, we, we've we've probably all at some point been through this, either as adults or children, and it's tough, man. It's very, very tough. We think, we assume, Gambo will be back tomorrow. We're live at the Ainsworth. We're here in downtown Phoenix, right across the street from Footprint Center because we got a big Suns game coming up tonight made bigger by the fact of our lead-in top story of the day today on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Cam Johnson is back tonight, but in news that we just got about three hours ago or so, Chris Paul is not. He has been ruled out for tonight's game. For those of us who were hoping we were going to get a double dose of good news tonight, we're not. Instead, it's, and I say just, and I, trust me, this team has been so desperate for any kind of anything to feel good about. I don't want to make Cam Johnson just be a just in all of this. But we were kind of teased with the idea it might be Chris Paul too. 
It's not going to be. So, Mitch, it's just Cam Johnson tonight, and we see what he has to offer for a team that could desperately use the help. Well, I tell you what, given the numbers that we saw about the state of the offense since a majority of these players were out, I mean, even going back to when Cam Johnson first went down, it is going to provide a much-needed jolt, at least we hope. We don't know what his mobility is like. We don't know if he's going to be a little slow out of the gate. But just the idea that Cam Johnson is going to be back in the starting five in whatever capacity he's brought back in, that just has to be a morale boost, if nothing else, for this team that has been really, really sliding fast down this icy mountain. Really, 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 really sliding Really, fast. really, you really. You can't say the word really enough. And, and yet, Eric, at the same time, there's got to be, at least for me, in, in kind of replaying our James Jones conversation in my mind yesterday and hearing the Midday Show talk about it, too, there's, there's got, you've you got to be careful about pouring too many expectations into Cam Johnson tonight. I, I mean, number one, and I mean this is no disrespect, this is not the return of Devin Booker. This is not the return of your alpha male tonight. This is this is still the return of a complimentary player, and probably even more so than that, Cam Johnson's missed two and a half months now. There, there's going to naturally be some conditioning issues tonight, and there's just naturally going to be some rust issues that I, I don't think we can look at Cam Johnson and say, ah, the savior has returned here. And that's exactly what Monty Williams said, too. It said it's his first game back, and he's never been in that role anyway. I mean, if you look at his stats for just this season, averaging 13 points, 25 minutes a night, he only played in eight games. He's a shooter, and that's great, and that's awesome. The team needed a new body back, especially a body that can catch fire. But like you said, you can't expect the Suns to completely flip from where they were two or three days ago because of this. No, but that I mean that is also the real benefit of getting Cam Johnson back. Maybe, yeah, and I don't want to say more than Chris Paul because you know we still think of Chris Paul as that All NBA third team guy, even though he might not be that guy anymore. This team has really struggled at times to score. I, I mean, just coming down the floor and you look at the five on the floor and sometimes you think where are the points you know where where's where's the offensive options here i mean you're you're asking deandre eaton to play a role that he seems very uncomfortable with and very you know miscast for you're asking mikel bridges to play a role that he seems miscast for not really his cup of tea um not that again not that cam johnson is is the remedy for a high-volume shooter and scorer that this team has been lacking. But I think he's more of a candidate than McKell is for that. I think he's more of a candidate than Aiden is for that because Cam can at least to a certain extent create his own shot, drive the rim, and is aggressively looking to shoot, whereas Aiden kind of needs others to help him out, and and McKell kind of has to be nudged into that role. I mean, that was Cam's mantra coming out of UNC, right? When we found out that night that Cam Johnson was going to be the pick and all of the memes that came after it because of this show. Cam Johnson was known as a shooter. He was a guy that was going to be a pick-and-pop three, corner three guy. He's going to provide that offense and needed spark. And I think the best example of it was when they played against the Knicks, the infamous Knicks game last year, where he even had his, what was it, his knee was shattered in that game by Mitchell Robinson, or pretty close to it. And he had that 38-point performance to the point that he knows exactly what he needs to provide, how much he'll be able to provide, Eric. I, we we just we just don't know. It's been so long, but I'll be honest. I'll take anything right now. The way this team is, and that's something that I am a little bit worried about. Obviously, the team's not going to purposely run all of this to put everything on Cam Johnson, all that responsibility that Devin Booker, Chris Paul share when they're there. However, he hasn't been somebody that you can play every single night. Have him do 
everything and not end up getting injured. So I'm also still worried for him in the long term because he hasn't had his contract yet. Obviously, all that happened over the summer. And is he going to come back? And because he's a shooter and the team needs so much offense, just by default, get too much put on him. Yeah, that's funny. I was thinking about that when I was driving over here to the Ainsworth. And, and I mean, I don't want to dismiss all of those big picture, long term, 30,000 feet questions about Cam Johnson because they're all valid. They're all legit. They are all a, a legitimate conversation to have someday about him and his long term future and his, and his health and all of that. Man, today, right now, I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm just being honest with it. I don't care. It's, I'm all, I'm all about the short term now, now, now fix. Give me something to feel good about today. Right, exactly. Give, give me something tomorrow at straight up two o'clock that we can talk about in here that isn't what lost 18 of their last 23 games. I think it's what right. 17 of their last I think 22. 19, actually. Yeah. I mean, give me, give me, and, and the, the can Cam Johnson stay healthy conversation. We can have that later. Is he worth a long-term extension? We can have that later. Right now, I want to know is, okay, I, I, I look at this season as like a book, right? And and we just got done with a really bad chapter of this book. It felt like it took forever, and it was awful, and it was just loss after loss, and it was just piling on really bad. I feel like tonight, even with the return of Cam, is the start of the next chapter for the Phoenix Suns in this season. It's going to be a short chapter, but it's going to be about these next seven to ten games and surviving these seven to ten games until Booker comes back to hopefully put yourself in a position to make that run, make that push. And Cam Johnson and hopefully Chris Paul very soon, if they, if they upgraded him to questionable yesterday, even though he's out for tonight, i got to imagine he's close. Hopefully Cam Johnson and the return of Chris Paul can make this chapter a short one a good one, and one that kind of sets up the rest of the book for what we're all hoping it can be. And I don't know if it's going to be that or not, but I feel like tonight is the start of that next chapter with the return of Cam Johnson. And I hope it's easier to read than the last chapter because I really struggled to read that last chapter. If I want to use a different analogy, I'll just use the sun rising. Fun play on words there. This feels like the sun might just start to appear over the peak in over the mountain. Just that little bit of a sunrise because Cam Johnson is one. Chris Paul being even labeled as questionable is just another little push if we can get it there. He's out now. But he was listed as questionable. That has to make you feel like he's a lot closer. And then Campaign and Devin Booker and even Landry Shamit can't possibly be too far away to help maybe get that sun back to its highest point and make things a lot brighter here in the, the Valley. The game starts at 8 o'clock tonight. You'll hear it here on the Arizona Sports app. Arizona Sports 98.7 will have the game for you. Again, today, got Mitch and Eric tag team and filling in for Gambo, who is at home as their family is recovering. Uh, and and getting over the, the they laid to rest their family dog and so we wish Gambo our very very best today and hoping he's back at work tomorrow. The countdown to Super Bowl Fifty Seven has begun. Bud Light Fan Duel Arizona Sports wants you to be there in person. Text the word Super to six twenty six twenty to register and listen for your name starting February sixth, and you could scare, score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you will win tickets to the following events: the Fan Duel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, an update on the Cardinals' head coaching search, including scheduled interviews for the job, potential scheduled interview for the jobs, and the very latest when it comes to the Cardinals is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search, update, 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 update. update. dramatic voice guy, lends his gravitas to the coaching search. I want to read this book now, (laughs) or I guess watch this movie. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. Uh, Yeah, you know it's a big deal when uh, voice guy puts together something like that. We get it. We did it for Kevin Durant, and now we're doing it for the Cardinals. Coaching search as we welcome you back into the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are live down from the Ainsworth, and I'll tell you about all the cool things we have going on down here to entice you to come down and see us as we've got Suns basketball coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. We'll be on till 6, but if you're making your way down, you're looking for a pregame meal, the Ainsworth is right across the street from Footprint Center. Let's get you... So, uh, just... if. Just tuning in, our, our, um, we're asking internally our crew, Eric Ruby, Mitch Vareldis, to fill in for Gambo today, who's home with his family right now as they're kind of healing with what's going on there. Um, so we've got Mitch and Eric basically co-filling in for Gambo today, and away we go. Here is the latest when it comes to the Cardinals coaching search as we know it. Cardinals will interview Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn on Saturday. So we know they've already already spoken to Frank Reich. We believe they've already spoken to Vance Joseph. Uh, they do have an interview scheduled with D'Amico Ryans, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But according to Ian Rappaport, the Aaron Glenn interview with the Lions defensive coordinator is going to be on Saturday. Now, our own Tyler Drake tweeted this out, and it does make a lot of sense that if they're interviewing a coach per day, it kind of stands to reason that D'Amico Ryans might be interviewing tomorrow with the Arizona Cardinals. Frank Reich on Tuesday, Vance Joseph on Wednesday, Aaron Glenn on Saturday. Maybe D'Amico Ryans, maybe he's today, maybe he's on Friday. Either way, Mitch, it would seem as if he'll get his shot. I know for a lot of Cardinal fans, that's a name a lot of people are excited about. There's one thing to be granted permission to speak to a coaching candidate. There's another to actually have the interview with him. I think it's kind of like the Sean Payton difference. I was going to say, we learned about that difference very recently, did yeah, we right. not? Yeah, right. We did. And I think fans want to know the interview took place. All right, It's just one thing to say we want to talk to this guy. Right. It's another thing to actually do it. It's nice to know that D'Amico Ryans is on the books, because I think that's a guy that fans are very excited to hear more about. Well, I'll just casually throw this in, because I'm seeing it now. Now, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network said that the Falcons have interviewed Steelers defensive assistant Brian Flores for their vacant D.C. job. They're obviously not looking for a head coach. They still have uh, Arthur Smith as their head coach, but they are looking for a new defensive coordinator. So Brian Flores doesn't just have his options as head coach either here with Arizona. I believe uh, Houston was also taking a look, but now he's got a D.C. opportunity in Atlanta. So there's a potential chance, because we've talked about the links between Monty Ford and his time in New England and Brian Flores when he was working as a defensive assistant in New England that that could link up. Now considering there might be competition to get Flores well, here if you want the, him. Yeah, that's the other thing to consider here too, Eric, is is that, and we'll talk about this specifically a little bit later, I mean, I know we're all focused, hyper-focused on the head coaching job. There's very likely an offensive coordinator's job attached here too. There's a defensive coordinator's job 
job potentially attached here too. You could theoretically be interviewing Frank Reich not only for your head coaching job but for potentially an OC job. You could be theoretically interviewing Brian Flores for your head coaching job but also for your D.C. job depending on what you do at head coach. I mean, it, it would seem there's a lot of different directions you could go with this if you wanted to if you're the Cardinals. It's a lot of different directions with a lot of different names and the one that's really been pulling my eye recently is Brian Flores. I was on the D'Amico Ryan's train. I still am. I think he'd be a great hire. But I found this this morning about Brian Flores actually helping Kenny Pickett turn his season around. And to me, if you're going to go for a defensive guy and you're and it seems like they are with a majority of the people that they're at least inquiring about being on the defensive side of the ball, you also need somebody who can work on that other side, especially when Kyler Murray is your number one asset and the number one thing you need to do is get the most out of him. All right, this is Kenny Pickett from the Not Just Football podcast with Cam Hayward. Of course, Kenny Pickett's the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and this is the soundbite you're referring to. Early on, I was struggling in the two-minute drill um, you know, against you guys all the time. I was always trying to hunt that big play instead of letting the big play kind of come to me as, as the drive would go. So I was, and I would talk to Coach Flores. Like Coach Flo was huge because he kind of really helped me with the two-minute drill along with Coach Sully and Coach Canada. Um, we just kind of had, I, I would talk to him after every single one. And he's like, you know, you're going to need that one chunk play. And after you get that chunk play, you should be good to just take what they give you down into the red zone. And then you got to make that big time throw to, to make, you know, to score. Uh, you know, getting that one big chunk play, that explosive, and then kind of taking what the defense gives us and then working on our red zone offense. Um, you know, that kind of mindset clicked with me. And then I, it, you know, kind of stuck with me as the season went. If anything, it, Sounds like it almost kind of contradicts the reports that came out of Miami when Flores was surprisingly let go, that he was kind of an issue forming a relationship with Tua Tungavailoa, the benching, the back and forth between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick getting opportunities at QB. But then you could also look at it as growth or improvement that in his first year as a member of this staff, here is a senior defensive assistant helping out their their top their first round pick yeah. of a year ago, making him sh- comfortable as a quarterback for this new team. Look, I, I got to admit, I, I'm I'm a little prejudiced on this one. I'm I'm going to end up being more inclined to going with guys who have previous head coaching experience, and I, and I think that's kind of the main reason why. And I really like D'Amico Ryan's, and I and I certainly think it's possible you'll get a better candidate if you go with a first time guy as opposed to doing it the second time around. I, I just think there's so much more to learn from having done it before, right? So much you could, I think all of us, any profession, anybody is in listening right now, you think the first time you ever did whatever it is that you do, and then the second time you do whatever the thing it is that you do, you just, you learn so much from it. Man, if I had a chance to do that again, I would do this, and I would do that. I, I would, you know, I'm sure I'm sure for you guys doing this show for Gambo, you'll probably do it again at some point, but you, you, like the next time I do it, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to prep that way instead right because you just you learn and that's that's why i like a guy like brian flores that's why i'm inclined to like a guy like frank reich because i think you just naturally learn from doing not that D'Amico ryan's doesn't have that eric but i i I think that that just is kind of baked in with a guy who's got that head coaching experience and gets to do it again it's so hard because with D'Amico, obviously he hasn't been a head coach but he's one of those guys that everybody says man he's a leader he's been a head coach since he was in high school but the thing about flores especially with what you mentioned 
coach, his stint in Miami. Bigley Murata actually had a Dolphins insider OJ McDuffie on this morning, and he said that if Kyler's willing to work with Flores, he's going to succeed. Brian Flores, we talked about New England. He's, he's used to Tom Brady-type work ethic at, at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't put that in, he's, he's got a problem. You know, so if Kyler's willing to put that, that work in, uh, you know, come in early, leaving late, you know, being in that book, you know, I mean, look, it's not, it's no, you know, uh, it's not a mystery that Tua didn't know a lot of the playbook at times. I know he was young in the game, but how much work did he try to put in to, to, to get it memorized or to learn it? If Kyler's willing to put that work in, I promise you that Brian Flores be on the side and giving him every opportunity to succeed. And after hearing that, I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I, you got to go with Flores over maybe somebody with D'Amico Ryans who doesn't have that type of experience. Yeah, I, and look, and there's also a chance D'Amico Ryans comes in here and just blows away everybody in the interview. And, and there's, you know, first, I don't want to make it sound like first time head coaches. Brian Dable's a first time head coach. He's got the Giants in the second round of the playoffs, right? I, I mean, we can go through the league and uh, that guy's a first time head coach. It, it's not, it's not some stigma that can't be overcome. It's just kind of one of those personal preferences kind of thing. Um, speaking of guys who are on our air today talking up some of these candidates, this is Bob Kravitz. He's the writer who covers the Colts for the athletic website. He was on this morning and he was talking about Frank Reich and Kyler Murray. I think it'd be a great, uh, a great combination. Now, you know, Frank has generally worked with quarterbacks who throw from the pocket. Mm-hmm. If you look at his, at his history, um, you know, not a lot of guys who do a lot of stuff off structure like Kyler does. Um, but I, I think, look, I think Frank Reich could could uh, could make the, the switch over to dealing with a quarterback like Kyler. Um, he's got a great personal way about him. Um, yeah, I think I think it would be a good combination, and. I, I feel like Kyler Murray could take the next step in his progression working with Frank. Now, for what it's worth, as we send it to a break, I'll just mention this. Zero of zero, we haven't heard anything reported in terms of a scheduled interview. We haven't heard anything about a scheduled interview with Brian Flores as of yet from the Cardinals. And, of course, we certainly have not heard anything scheduled with Sean Payton. We're all still kind of tapping our toes and checking the watch and waiting on that one to see what we hear. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, of course, if things are going to turn around for the Suns, it starts with getting guys back. It also starts with the guys on the roster playing better. Here's looking at you, DeAndre Eaton. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we send it back to the Auction Community Studios where Eric Ruby is standing by. He's got today's Twitter poll question of the day, and I have absolutely no idea what it is, so please spring it on me for the first time, Rubes. Well, there's a reason why you guys are down at the Ainsworth in downtown Phoenix tonight, and that is because there's a big-time Suns game. The Brooklynettes coming to Footprint Center to take on Phoenix, and what makes it even bigger is that it's the return of Cam Johnson. So, a simple question on today's Twitter poll. Who will be the leading scorer for the Suns tonight? You have the man who's making his return, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, his twin, DeAndre Ayton, and the coveted fourth option of Other. <laughs> <laughs> Other really is so coveted. Oh boy! You know what? I, I I believe in I believe in karma. Maybe that's the wrong word to use to describe what I'm about to say here. But, or are you leaning? But, I, I, because I think we're about to say some not nice things about DeAndre Ayton, yeah, or potentially not nice things about DeAndre Ayton. I'm going to say DeAndre Ayton. 
put me down for DeAndre that, that he'll have one of those games where he's been a little called out, and sometimes when he gets called out, he tends to push back, which it happened more often than it did. Put me down for DeAndre Ayton being the leading scorer tonight. Mitch, are you rolling with DA as well? I like Bernsey's hunch, but I think I'm going to go a little off the wall with my pick here and just go with what I've seen consistently. Give me Damian Lee to be the leading scorer tonight. Damian Lee, a player James Jones said he's been impressed with this uh, tough stretch of Suns basketball. So you're going with other. Bernsey's going with DeAndre Ayton. i got to go with the man who's coming back. I, I think Cam's going to come and hit six threes, maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> oh, gosh. Why not, right? See, well, I mean, why not? Let me count the ways. It's his first game in three months. It's um, he's, His conditioning's probably not going to be great. He's going to be a little bit rusty. Look, I want him back, too. But but let the guy ease into the gig, Rubes. Come on. Hey, Take it look, easy on him. If he's taking the pressure from me, man, I don't know. I just believe that he's going to come and he's going to light it up. I, right. That's just what I think. He's been itching. You hear these sound bites of him? He is not only feeling guilty about missing time, but is eager to return. I think he's going to shoot the lights out tonight. And that also kind of goes to say what I think about Mikhail and DeAndre on the scoring side as well. Leading the way, though, is the man that none of us picked. 42% of fans are saying Mikhail Bridges will lead the Suns in scoring tonight. In second place for good karma, it is DeAndre Ayton, 23.1%. In third place at 19.1%, it's Cam Johnson. And at 15.7%, rolling with the other selection. This is the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find it. You've got Ayton's name that's kind of back out there again. That's who they got to get rid of is DeAndre Ayton. He's been the biggest disappointment. He yeah. said it himself pre-draft, Chris. My NBA goal is to get to my second contract. He got a yeah. second contract, and he's been lazy. He's not put in the same effort that he ever has in recent years. He was playing for the deal, it feels like, to me, watching him this year. And I like DA. I love DA, what he grew into for Phoenix. But this version of him, it, it, it is. move off it. It's an embarrassment. That is uh, the Mismatch podcast, part of the Ringer Network with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. We've had Kevin O'Connor on our show a few times. As, as Mitch and Eric are filling in for Gambo today, it's just kind of the three of us making do without our lead singer playing the gig today until 6 o'clock. Um, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, when everybody went out, guys, with the injuries, DeAndre Ayton, along with Mikel, kind of became a focal point for that. Okay, it's your opportunity, your chance. Here you go. You've got more... You, more is being asked of you. How are you going to respond to it? And neither one, quite frankly, responded in a way that we liked. At least not consistently. At least not consistently. There were flashes. There were moments. There were games. Um, there were quarters. But certainly not consistently the way we were like. It's different with Mikel. With Mikel. It was never a question about his kind of want to. It was just about his natural ability and whether he was suited to take that high volume of shots and whether he just his weaknesses kind of got exposed. With DeAndre, and it's not just this podcast, it's this line I'm going to read, too, from this preview I read about this game tonight. It seems less about his natural ability and more about his drive, his desire, his his need to want to take over these games. And that's whether it's this podcast or this line. Them about three. That's kind of the alarming thing right now if you're a Suns fan. It almost kind of feels like, I think later on, it was in that cut that you just played, Kevin O'Connor mentioned that all the way back on draft night, DA was playing to that next contract. Well, here's that next contract, but where is the play that DeAndre Ayton had in the 2021 playoffs run when Chris Paul is begging for the Suns? we got to get this man a bag this summer. What happened to that DeAndre? The one that was night in, night out, just an absolute 
ball-hawking force. The guy that shut down the MVP in a four-game series that led to the biggest chant in Suns' recent history for Suns in four. What happened to that, DeAndre? I don't know. I don't know where he went. The line that I'm talking about, there was a uh, preview for tonight's game in uh, on NetsDaily.com. I think they're affiliated with SB Nation because they cited Bright Side of the Sun. Mitch is nodding his head, so that must be the case. They, they, they call the player to watch for tonight's game, DeAndre Ayton, and then they they basically cite what we've kind of all seen with our eyes, what's said in the in the piece there. Uh, 2023 Ayton is much like 2018 rookie DeAndre Ayton all over again. Uh, the range of skills he's displaying basically matches the skill set he had upon entering the league. He's regressed to playing mostly Matador-level defense, etc., etc. And then they, they that's a quote from Brightside. Then they kind of shift the focus and they show a video of DeAndre against the Minnesota Timberwolves and they cite quote, for those of you that remember James Harden's quitting act last year, this may ring a bell. Close quote. And then they show this video of DeAndre Ayton. Now, I, Eric, I didn't watch every single minute of Brooklyn Nets basketball last year, but I do remember what it looked like when James Harden was trying to get himself off that team. I remember what James Harden looked like when he was trying to get himself off the Houston Rockets team. To think that somebody out there somewhere is comparing DeAndre Ayton to that, even casually, is a five-alarm fire for me in terms of a warning shot right now. Right, and and that's the problem where even if he's not all the way there, because yes, when, when James Harden was quitting on his team, it, it was almost straight up laughable at times, and there are definitely moments and stretches that you do see D.A. locked in, and you see him show those flashes that he's shown his entire career, but the thing that really kind of gets back to it is the night in, night out, and I think when you put those two guys, Mikhail and DeAndre Ayton, it's almost just two polar opposites, right? You've got one number one overall pick who's got every skill in the world. He can shoot, he can drive, he can put a body on somebody, he's a beast on the interior, all of that. Then you've got a wing who maybe doesn't have the most ball skills, hasn't been a natural scorer even since high school, but you can see that Mikhail every single night just refuses. He just refuses to go down. He refuses to not give him give it his all. And with Aiden, you can just tell, like they said, the Matador defense, that defensive side of the ball has fallen off a lot. It shouldn't impact his defense. It shouldn't impact his level of effort. And I'm certainly not trying to make an excuse for DeAndre Ayton. It's going to sound like I am, but I'm not trying to. There is part of me that wonders how it impacts DeAndre Ayton's game when he's not out there with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Because he, he's just, uh, he's so... Like, I was thinking the same thing. I wonder if he's tired. I, 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 asked I, to be not, doing so much not, without I, I the mean, help. tired's one way of looking at it, but just, he's lost confidence and he's lost inspiration and again this all sounds like a total excuse for DeAndre and I'm, I'm really just thinking out loud here that he's lost confidence and he's lost inspiration because he's so used to being set up by those two guys for greatness and when those guys aren't out there setting him up he doesn't know how to be great we thought he knew how to be great without those guys he doesn't he, he, he's not there and it's, it's affecting every element of his game I, I don't know what it is I have I, I, I don't know but he's got to find it, and he's got to find it fast. And it's just funny to me to think that here we are, we've arrived at this game against the Nets, 
and this was kind of the game that we all pointed to, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. This is kind of the game we all pointed to. We're like, okay, this is the first game you're going to play where you're eligible to trade DeAndre Ayton. Is Ayton going to be on your roster? And, of course, at this point, the answer is a resounding yes because you just have to wonder how many people are going to want him at this point. You have to. I think it's fair to say that no one's going to want him at this point. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, who wants the Cardinals coaching job? A lot of guys being talked to about it. We'll get the latest, and we'll get the thoughts of somebody dialed in with the organization. Darren Urban from azcardinals.com. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show with Mitch and Eric filling in. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's a busy time if you're a sports fan in the Valley with Cam Johnson, hopefully Chris Paul coming back soon, hopefully Devin Booker not too far after that. And, of course, the Arizona Cardinals in the middle of their head coaching search after hiring Monty Ford to be their general manager and joining us right now from the Cardinals headquarters there in Tempe, the Dignity Health headquarters, headquarters, I should say, for the Cardinals. Our good buddy Darren Urban from azcardinals.com joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show to talk all things Cardinals. D. Herbs, what's going on, my friend? How we doing? All right, before we get started, Alec wants to know, uh, because you never quite got around to it on the air, I don't believe, how are you feeling about Corona Del Sol's colors these days? What are we we doing? Because I think he'd like to something out there in the world. Uh, I, I thought I responded on social media. You did. Son. That's true. That's I, I, true. Was that not enough to, to satisfy the, the monster I mean, on this one? I mean, I don't know what to tell you on that. I didn't go to Corona, so I'm kind of like Switzerland in this. Well, I, I, I feel bad that I broke your kid's heart that I, I jokingly, 100% jokingly, ripped the colors of our shared alma mater because I, I went to Corona like Saban Lee did, like your son did, and and I just made a, a harmless joke, I thought, about the the orange and yellow color pairing of our alma mater. But but if your son is listening right now, Alec... Oh, he's listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alec. I feel bad. Your, your, your father has, has effectively hijacked the first 60 seconds yeah, of this I was conversation. Say, I'm sure your listeners are thrilled. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're... Look, I wanted to talk about bad color schemes, too. So I'm right there with well, you. Well, no, it's... it's oh, I, think, I think we've had our... Our share of that for sure. There, you've I, I, you, you've covered a lot of this and a lot of moments like this throughout the years and yeah. in the time that you've covered the NFL and the time that you've covered the Arizona Cardinals. How, how often do you find that a team or the Cardinals in, in specifically tend to go opposite from whatever they had in their last head coach? And how, if at all, do you think that influences this head coaching search? Well, I mean, I, I think it happens all the time. I mean, I, I think it, it happens for, for teams that aren't just the Cardinals. But if you just take the Cardinals as an example, um, you know, Ken Wisenhunt was a little bit more of a hardliner. Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians had that, you know, I, I'm hard on them on the field and then I'll hug them afterwards. But Bruce Arians was never known as a, you know, really clamp down kind of guy in a lot of ways. Uh, Steve Wilkes was. Cliff Kingsbury wasn't. So will they go, you know, more, you know, hardline, old school type of feel? I mean, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but there's a lot of things that are involved in this whole process right now that they've got to very uh, carefully consider. And uh, that, uh, to me, that's just one of them. Although the, the number of times that Monty Austinfort talked about accountability and the number of times Michael Bidwell has talked about accountability over the past month uh, de- definitely gets your attention. 
There's several coaching candidates that are out there, Darren, and one of them I want to specifically zero in on is Brian Flores, who has garnered a lot of favoritism since the Austin Fort hire, given their connection back in New England. Just on like a base level, what would Brian Flores bring to this team if he is the next man for this job? Well, I'm kind of glad you said base level, because I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about Brian Flores. I know you know that he was a coach down in Miami, and I know that didn't end well, and, and all the things after that. I mean, I, I think there's no question what little I know about him. He would be your, your hardliner, your old school kind of guy. Um, and could they use that? I, I I could see how they could use that. I mean, I can make arguments where they don't necessarily need total hard, you know, old school hardliner. You know, to for me, when you say Brian Flores, the first thing I think of is less about maybe that part of it for me, and then it, you're bringing in a defensive coach. So then, who becomes your offensive coordinator? Who is the guy that's charged with developing Kyler Murray? Because right. so many of their candidates are defensive candidates, which means you're you're going to be counting on somebody you don't even know yet who would be the offensive coordinator uh, that would be charged with, with getting your quarterback to the next level, and I think that's so huge for this team, among other things that are huge for this team. Darren Urban joining us from azcardinals.com here on the Burns and Gamble Show talking about the Cardinals coaching search and and I was thinking about that exact same thing. I think it was a Schefter tweet today after the Greg Roman news came down. And I'm not for any, any brief stretch of time suggesting Greg Roman is OC for the Cardinals. But he mentioned that there are like 10 teams now, basically a third of the league, that's looking for a new offensive coordinator. And yeah. so for the Cardinals, I mean, you talk about a marketplace to compete in. That I, I'm not trying to take away from the head coaching search. That's obviously of paramount importance. Yeah. But so Certainly who the next OC is going to be, given that they're competing with a third of the league. If they go defense, that's going to be a really fascinating search to watch from afar. Well, I agree with that 100%. And and that's why, okay, exactly what ends up happening. Now, you know, Michael Bidwell keeps talking about casting the net far and wide. I'm not 100% convinced that we've heard all the names that we're going to hear. So we still might hear some more, and we might hear some more offensive names. There's some pretty good young offensive assistants that are still floating around in the playoffs that could possibly get in the mix. I don't know anything, but I'm saying that that's yeah. still possible. Uh, you know, and Frank Reich is a guy that, that that knows how to work with a quarterback position. Now, is Frank Reich the guy who is going to come in and you know get in everybody's face? I don't know if I don't know if he's that guy, but again, all these things can be handled in certain ways and you can still be the quote-unquote alpha male without necessarily being a yeller and a screamer. So, you know, I, that's why they go through the uh, interview process and that's why it's so hard doing what we're doing right now is because we we don't really know these guys. We certainly don't know the assistants very well. Uh, you know, the Demeco Ryans of the world. We don't know them very well unless we covered them as players, which I did not. Um, and, you know, so it's hard to get a good sense of what exactly they're trying to bring to the table and, and exactly how they would handle some of this stuff. So if I may, because it sounds like, based off of your comment, that Bidwell casting a far and wide net for this search and you thinking that this search is not necessarily, like this isn't the last of the candidates that we have heard for this position. You're, you're making it seem like, or at least I'm getting the sense that this coaching search may take a lot longer because the GM finding 
if I'm not mistaken, took about a week or a little over a week, right? Well, I mean, there's a couple things involved here with that. Number one, um, there's a lot fewer open head coaching positions than there have been most years. There's only five openings. So the, the, the pool of teams that need coaches is smaller than normal. So maybe, maybe the urgency gets let up a little bit. That's number one. Number two, um, if you're looking for a, a guy who's potentially still in the playoffs, that's not happening anytime soon. I right. mean, you can go down that road, and reportedly they are going to talk to Ryan's, for instance, who's a coach with the, the 49ers, of course. But if they stay alive in the playoffs, nothing's going to happen officially. Um, so, I, I and I and I think they. Uh, while I think they're moving at a quick pace in terms of talking to these people, you you want to make the right call. I mean, this is the, obviously this is huge. Any head coaching hire is huge, um, but where they are right now, and with Michael Bidwell just now getting to know uh, Monty Awesome Ford a little bit more this week, uh, beyond you know what they how they interviewed and everything, um, you know maybe it takes a little bit longer for everybody to get on the same page for this. I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out but um you know will i be surprised if it takes a couple three weeks no i I won't be um and again now that you have the gm in place most of what needs to be done right now is on the gm's plate it wouldn't be on the head coach's plate anyways uh last one for darren urban from azcardinals.com certainly not asking you to read minds here but but as best you can read the putt and see which way it's breaking I, i i I tend to believe in the guy who's been the head coach before giving it another shot over the first timer. Is there any kind of an inclination towards that? Because that's also sort of the opposite of what we saw with Cliff four years ago during this cycle. Or is am I misreading the putt? I, I don't know if you're misreading the putt. I I I, I don't think that that would be. I, I think that would be something front of mind to, to consider. Um, but I don't think they're going to push aside uh, somebody who really wow them and say, well, but he hasn't done it before, so we're going we're gonna to take a pass. Uh, I don't think that's a great way to approach it either. So I, I think at this point, um, they're trying to keep an open mind the best they can. You know, if a guy like Reich or a guy like Flores, who has done it in this league, um, excels in their interviews, then yeah, they, that could give them another tick on the, on the chart to say, maybe we should go in this direction. But I, I don't think that that's any necessarily, that's not necessarily a lock. Okay. Well, if anything, we solved the problem of my ongoing battle with your son and our That's alma true. mater. So I'm glad we, you know, we're, we're, we're fixing the world's problems one problem at a time. I'm going to be able to sleep a lot better tonight, Benji. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, your, your sleep is of paramount importance I'm to me, sure. too, Darren. And so. to all the listeners out there. <laughs> a well-rested Darren Urban is a better Darren Urban for all of us. I think we can all agree on that topic. Sure. Thanks, Serbs. We appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Yeah. Darren Urban from azcardinals.com, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, the Coyotes, they are in downtown Tempe tonight hosting Alex Alex Ovechkin in his quest to become the all-time leading goal scorer in the history of the National Hockey League. And, of course, the Coyotes still in the middle of this grind part of their schedule. We'll talk with their general manager, Bill Armstrong. He's by for his weekly visit next on the Burns and Gambo Show.